Chapter 33 of Faulkner. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Beth Blakely, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Faulkner by Mary Shelley. Chapter 33. On arriving in London from Hastings, Neville had repaired, as usual, to his father's house, which, as was to be supposed at that season of the year, he found empty. On the second day, Sir Boyville presented himself unexpectedly. He looked cold and stern as ever. The father and son met as they were wont, the latter anticipating rebuke and angry unjust commands, the other assuming the lofty tone of legitimate authority, indignant at being disputed. "'I hear from Sophia,' said Sir Boyville, "'that you are on the point of sailing for America, and this without deigning to acquaint me with your purpose. Is this fair? Common acquaintances act with more ceremony towards each other.' i feared your disapproval sir replied neville and thought it less faulty to act without than against a father's consent such is the vulgar notion but a very erroneous one it doubles the injury both to disobey me and to keep me in the dark with regard to my danger but if the danger be only imaginary observed his son sir boyville replied i am not come to argue with you nor to dissuade nor to issue commands i come with the more humble intention of being instructed sophie though she evidently regrets your purposed journey yet avers that it is not so wild and aimless as your expeditions have hitherto been that the letters from lancaster did lead to some unlooked-for disclosure you little know me if you are not aware that i have the question which you debate in so rash and boyish a manner as deeply and more sorely at heart than you let me then hear the tale you have heard surprised and even touched to find his father unbend so far as to listen to him neville related the american's story and the information that it seemed probable that osborne could afford Sir Boyville listened attentively, and then observed, "'It will be matter of triumph to you, Gerard, to learn that your strange perseverance has a little overcome me. You are no longer a mere lad, and though inexperienced and headstrong, you have shown talents and decision, and I am willing to believe, though perhaps I am wrong, that you are guided by conviction, and not by a blind wish to disobey. Your conduct has been consistent throughout, and so far is entitled to respect. But you are, as I have said, and forgive a father for saying so, inexperienced.' a mere child in the world's ways you go straight forward to your object reckless of the remark that you excite and the gall and wormwood that such remark imparts why will you not in some degree be swayed by me our views if you would deign to inquire into mine are not dissimilar neville knew not what to answer for every reply and explanation were likely to offend hitherto continued sir boyville in disgust at your wilfulness i have only issued disregarded commands but i am willing to treat my son as my friend if he will let me but it must be on one condition i exact one promise i am ready sir replied neville to enter into any engagement that does not defeat my purpose it is simply said sir boyville that you shall do nothing without consulting me i on the other hand will promise not to interfere by issuing orders which you will not obey but if there is any sense in your pursuit my counsels may assist i ask no more than to offer advice and to have opportunity afforded to me to express my opinion will you not allow that so much is due to me will you not engage to communicate your projects and to acquaint me unreservedly with every circumstance that falls to your knowledge this is the limit of my exactions most willingly i make this promise exclaimed neville it will indeed be my pride to have your participation in my sacred task how far i can afford that replied sir boyville depends on the conduct you will pursue with regard to this osborne i consent at once that his story should be sifted nay that you should go to america for that purpose while you are ready to engage that you will not act on any information you may gather without my knowledge you may depend said gerard that i will keep to the letter of my promise and i pledge my honour 
gladly and unreservedly to tell you everything to learn your wishes and to endeavor throughout to act with your approbation this concession made on both sides the father and son conversed on more unreserved and kinder terms than they had ever before done they passed the evening together and though the arrogance the wounded pride the irritated feelings and unredeemed selfishness of sir boyville betrayed themselves at every moment gerard saw with surprise the weakness masked by so imposing an exterior his angry commands and insulting blame had been used as batteries to defend the accessible part he still loved and regretted alethea he pined to be assured of her truth but he despised himself for these emotions calling them feebleness and credulity he felt assured that his worst suspicions would be proved true she might now be dead he thought it probable that ere this her faults and sorrows were hushed in the grave but had she remained voluntarily one half hour in the power of the man who had carried her from her home no subsequent repentance no remorse no suffering could exculpate her what he feared was the revival of a story so full of dishonour the dragging a mangled half-formed tale again before the public which would jeer his credulity and make merry over the new gloss of a time-worn subject when such a notion occupied his brain his heart swelled with uncontrollable emotions of pride and indignation neville cared little for the world he thought of his mother's wrongs and sufferings he conjured up the long years which might have been spent in wretchedness he longed whatever she had done to feel her maternal embrace to show his gratitude for her early care of him this was one view one class of emotions present to his mind when any occurrence tended to shake his belief in her unblemished honour and integrity which was the religion of his heart at the same time he as much as his father abhorred the indifferent and light-hearted the levelling and base should have any food administered to their loathsome appetite for slander so far as his father's views were limited to the guarding alethea's name from further discussion neville honoured them he showed sir boyville that he was not so imprudent as he seemed and brought him at last to allow that some discovery might ensue from his voyage this open-hearted and peaceful interchange of sentiment between them was very cheering to both and when gerard visited elizabeth the following day his spirit was lighter and happier than it had ever been and love was there to mingle its roseate visions with the sterner calls of duty he entered falkner's house with much of triumph and more of hope gladdening his heart he left it horror-struck aghast and almost despairing he would not return to his father elizabeth's supposition that falkner spoke under a delusion produced by sudden insanity and his reluctance that while doubt hung over the event that her dear name should be needlessly mixed up with the tragedy of his mother's death restrained him he resolved at once to take no final step till the evening till he had again seen elizabeth and learned what foundation there was for the tremendous avowal that still rung in his ears the evening he had mentioned the evening but would it ever come till then he walked in a frightful dream he first went to the docks withdrew his luggage and yet left word that by possibility he might still join the vessel at sheerness he did this for he was glad to give himself something to do and yet soon after how gladly would he have exchanged those hours of suspense for the certainty that too quickly came like a sudden ray of light to show that he had long been walking at the edge of a giddy precipice he received the packet and letter from the servant dizzy and confounded he rode away by the light of the first lamp he read elizabeth's letter it disordered the current of his blood it confused and maddened the functions of reason putting spurs to his horse he galloped furiously on till he reached his father's house sir boyville was seated solitarily in his drawing-room sipping his coffee and indulging in various thought his wedded life with alethea her charms her admirable qualities and sweet endearing disposition occupied him as they had never done before since her flight 
for the first time the veil woven by anger and vanity fell from his eyes and he saw distinctly the rashness and injustice of his past actions he became convinced that deceit could never have had a part in her did not her child resemble her and was he not truth itself he had nourished an aversion to his son as her offspring now he looked on his virtues as an inheritance derived from his sweet mother and his heart instinctively unaccountably warmed towards both gerard opened the door of the room and looked in sir boyville could hardly have recognized him his face whiter than marble his eyes wild and wandering his whole countenance convulsed his person shrunk up and writhing he threw the packet on the table crying out victory my father victory in a voice so shrill and dissonant so near a shriek as to inspire his auditor with fear rather than triumph read read he continued i have not yet i keep my word you shall know all even before me and yet i do know all i have seen my mother's destroyer she is dead sir boyville now in some degree comprehended his son's agitation he saw that he was too much excited to act with any calmness he could not guess how he had discovered the villain on whom both would desire to heap endless unsatiable revenge but he did not wonder that if he had really encountered this man and learned his deeds that he should be transported into a sort of frenzy he took up the packet he cut the string that tied it he turned over the papers and his brow darkened here is a long narrative he said there is much of excuse and much of explanation here the story ought to be short that exculpates her i do not like these varnishings of the simple truth you will find none said neville at least i heard none his words were direct his avowal contained no subterfuge of whom do you speak asked sir boyville read said neville and you will know more than i but half an hour ago those papers were put into my hands i have not read them i give them to you before i am aware of their contents that i might fully acquit myself of my promise they come from rupert falkner my mother's destroyer leave me then to my task said sir boyville in an altered and subdued tone you speak of strange things facts to undo a frightful past and to generate a future dedicated to a new revenge leave me let me remain alone while i read while i ponder on what credit i may give what course i must pursue leave me gerard i have long injured you but at last you will be repaid come back in a few hours the moment i am master of the contents of the manuscript i will see you gerard left him he had scarcely been aware of what he was doing when he carried the packet unopened unexamined to his father he had feared that he might be tempted to what to conceal his mother's vindication never yet the responsibility sat heavy on him and driven by an irresistible impulse he had resolved to deprive himself of all power of acting basely by giving at once publicity to all that passed when he had done this he felt as if he had applied a match to some fatal rocket which would carry destruction to the very temple and shrine of his dearest hopes to elizabeth's happiness and life but the deed was done he could but shut his eyes and let the mortal ball proceed towards its destined prey gerard was young he aspired to happiness with all the ardour of youth while we are young we feel as if happiness were the birthright of humanity after a long and cruel apprenticeship we disengage ourselves from this illusion or from a yet more difficult sacrifice the realities that produce felicity for on earth there are such though they are too often linked with adjuncts that make the purchase of them cost in the end peace of mind and a pure conscience thus was it with gerard with elizabeth winning her love and making her his own he felt assured of a life of happiness but to sacrifice his mother's name the holy task to which he had dedicated himself from childhood for the sake of obtaining her it must not be with this thought came destruction to the fresh-sprung hopes that adorned his existence gerard's poetic and tender nature led him to form sweet dreams of joy derived from a union which would be cemented by affection sympathy and enthusiastic admiration of the virtues of his companion 
in elizabeth he had beheld the embodying of all his wishes in her eyes he had read their accomplishment her love for her father had first awakened his love her wise simple upright train of thinking the sensibility ennobled by self-command yet ever ready to spring forth and comfort the unhappy her generosity her total abnegation of self her understanding so just and true yet tempered with feminine aptitude to adapt itself to the situation and sentiments of others all these qualities discovered one by one and made dear by the friendship she displayed towards him had opened the hitherto closed gates of the world's only paradise and now he found that as the poet says evil had entered even there and the trail of the serpent marked with slimy poison the fairest and purest of eden's flowers alas for man said the pitying spirit dearly you pay for your primal fall some flowers of eden you still inherit but the trail of the serpent is over them all paradise and the peri neville had looked forward to a life of blameless but ecstatic happiness as her friend her protector her husband youth without being presumptuous is often sanguine prodigal of self it expects as of right a full return ready to assist elizabeth in her task of watching over her father's health who in his eyes was wasting gradually away he felt that he should be near to soften her regrets and fill his place and soothe her sinking spirits when struck by a loss which to her would seem so dire and now falconer he believed him to be in a state of health that did not leave him many years to live he recollected him at marseilles stretched on his couch feeble as an infant the hues of death on his brow he thought of him as he had seen him that morning his figure bent by disease his face ashy pale and worn he was the man whom thirteen years before he remembered in upright proud and youthful strength woe and disease had brought on the ravages of age he was struck by premature decay a few years by the course of nature he would be laid in his grave but gerard could not leave him this respite he must at once meet him in such encounter as must end in the death of one of the combatants whichever that might be there was no hope for elizabeth in either case she lost her all in either case falkner would die an insuperable barrier be raised between her and her only other friend neville's ardent and gentle spirit quivered with agony as he thought of these things oh ye destructive powers of nature he cried come all storm flood and fire mingled in one dire whirlwind or bring the deadlier tortures tyrants have inflicted and martyrs undergone and say can any agony equal that which convulses the human heart when writhing under contending passions torn by contrary purposes this very morning elizabeth was all the universe of hope and joy i would not for worlds have injured one hair of her dear head and now i meditate a deed that is to consign her to eternal grief athwart this tumult of thought came the recollection that he was still in ignorance of the truth he called to mind the narrative which his father was then reading would it reveal aught that must alter the line of conduct which he now considered inevitable a devouring curiosity was awakened leaving his father he had rushed into the open air in obedience to the instinct that always leads the unquiet mind to seek the solace of bodily activity he had hurried into hyde park which then in the dimness of night appeared a wide expanse a limitless waste he hurried to and fro on the turf he saw nothing he was aware of nothing except the internal war that shook him now as he felt the eager desire to get quit of doubt he fancied that several hours must have elapsed and that his father must be waiting for him the clocks of london struck he counted it was but eleven he had been there scarcely more than an hour end of chapter thirty three recording by beth blakely